You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. When Richard II was crowned in 1377, he led a procession from the tower to Westminster Abbey. This tradition began in at least the early 14th century and lasted until 1660. During the Peasants' Revolt of the year 1381, the Tower of London was besieged with the king inside. When Richard rode out to meet with Watt Tyler, the rebel leader, the crowd broke into the castle without meeting resistance and looted the jewel house. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Simon Sudbury, took refuge in St. John's Chapel, hoping the mob would respect the sanctuary. Boy, was he wrong. He was taken away and beheaded on Tower Hill. Six years later, there was civil arrest again, and Richard spent Christmas in the security of the tower rather than Windsor as was more usual. When Henry Bolingbroke returned from exile in 1399, Richard was imprisoned in the White Tower. He abdicated and was replaced on the throne by Bolingbroke, who became King Henry IV. In the 15th century, there was little building work at the Tower of London, yet the castle remained still an important as a place of refuge. When supporters of the late Richard II attempted a coup, Henry IV found safety in the Tower of London. During this period, the castle also held many distinguished prisoners. The heir to the Scottish throne, later King James I of Scotland, was kidnapped while journeying to France in 1406 and held in the tower. During the reign of Henry V, year 1413 to 1422, renewed England's fortune in the Hundred Years' War against France, 
As a result of Henry's victories, such as the Battle of Agincourt, many high-status prisoners were held in the Tower of London until they were ransomed. Much of the latter half of the 15th century was occupied by the War of the Roses between the, between the claimants of the throne, the House of Lancaster and of York. The castle was once again besieged in 1460, this time by Yorkist forces. The tower was damaged by artillery fire, but only surrendered when Henry VI was captured at the Battle of Northampton. With the help of Richard Neville, 16th Earl of Warwick, nicknamed the Kingmaker, Henry recaptured the throne for a short time in 1470. However, Edward IV soon regained control and Henry VI was imprisoned in the Tower of London, where he was probably murdered. During the wars, the towers were fortified to withstand gunfire and provided with loopholes for cannons and handguns. An enclosure was created for this purpose to the south of Tower Hill, although it no longer survives. Shortly after the death of Edward IV in 1483, the notorious murder of the princes in the tower is traditionally believed to have taken place. The incident is one of the most infamous events associated with the Tower of London. Edward V's uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, was declared Lord Protector while the prince was too young to rule. Traditional accounts have held that the 12-year-old Edward was confined to the Tower of London along with his younger brother Richard. The Duke of Gloucester was proclaimed King Richard III in July. The princes were last seen in public in 1483. It has traditionally been thought that the most likely reason for their disappearance is that they were murdered late in the summer of 1483. Bones thought to belong to them were discovered in 1674 when the 12th century four building at the entrance to the White Tower was demolished. However, the reputed level at which the bones were found, 10 feet or three meters, would have put the bones at a depth similar to that of recently discovered Roman graveyard found at 12 feet or four meters underneath the Minories, a few hundred yards to the north. Opposition to Richard escalated until he was defeated at the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485 by the Lancastrian Henry Tudor, who ascended to the throne as Henry VII. The beginning of the Tudor period marked the start of the decline of the Tower of London's use as a royal residence. The 16th century chronicler Raphael Holinshed said the tower became used more as a armories and a house of munition, and there unto a place for the safekeeping of offenders than a pass palace for a king or queen to sojourn in. The yeoman warders have been the royal bodyguards 
since at least the year 1509. During the reign of Henry VIII, the tower was assessed as needing considerable work on its defenses. In 1532, Thomas Cromwell spent 3,593 sterling on repairs and imported nearly 3,000 tons of con stone for work. Even so, this was not sufficient to bring the castle up to the standard of contemporary military fortifications, which were designed to withstand powerful artillery. Although the defenses were repaired, the palace buildings were left in a state of neglect after Henry's death. Their condition was so poor that they were virtually uninhabitable. From 1547 onwards, the Tower of London was only used as a royal residence when its political and historic symbolism was considered useful. For instance, each of Edward VI, Mary I, and Elizabeth I briefly stayed at the Tower before their coronations. In the 16th century, the Tower acquired an enduring reputation as a grim, forbidding prison. This had not always been the case. As a royal castle, it was used by the monarch to imprison people for various reasons. However, these were usually high-status individuals for short periods rather than common citizenry, as there were plenty of prisons elsewhere for such people. Contrary to the popular image of the tower, Prisoners were able to make their life easier by purchasing amenities, such as better food or tapestries through the lieutenant of the tower. As holding prisoners was originally an incidental role of the tower, as this would have been the case for any castle, there was no purpose-built accommodations for prisoners until the year 1687, when a brick shed, a prison for soldiers was built to the northwest of the White Tower. The tower's reputation for torture and imprisonment derives largely from the 16th century religious propagandists and the 19th century romanticists. Although much of the tower's reputation is exaggerated, the 16th and 17th centuries marked the castle's zenith as a prison with many religious and political undesirables locked away. The Privy Council had to sanction the use of torture, so it was not often used. Between the year 1540 and 1640, the peak of imprisonment at the tower, there were 48 recorded cases of the use of torture. The three most common forms used were the infamous rack, the scavenger's daughter, and manacles. The rack was introduced to England in 1447 by the Duke of Exeter, the constable of the tower. Consequently, it is also known as the Duke of Exeter's daughter. One of those tortured at the tower was Guy Fox, who brought there on November 6, 1605, after torture, 
he signed a full confession to the gunpowder plot. Among those held and executed at the tower was Anne Boleyn. Although the yeoman warders were once the royal bodyguard, by the 16th and 17th century, their main duty had begun to look after the prisoners. The tower was often a safer place than other prisons in London, such as the Fleet, where disease was rife. High-status prisoners could live in conditions comparable to those they might expect outside. One such example was that while Walter Raleigh was held in the tower, his rooms were usually altered to accommodate his family, including his son, who was born there in the year 1605. Executions were usually carried out on Tower Hill rather than in the Tower of London itself, and 112 people were executed on the hill over 400 years. Before the 20th century, there had been seven executions within the castle on Tower Green, as was the case with Lady Jane Grey. This was reserved for prisoners whom public execution was considered dangerous. After Lady Jane Grey's execution on February 12, 1554, Queen Mary I imprisoned her sister Elizabeth, later Queen Elizabeth I, in the tower under suspicion of causing a rebellion, as Sir Thomas Wyatt had led a revolt against Mary in Elizabeth's name. The Office of Ordnance and Armory Office were founded in the 15th century, taking over the privy wardrobe's duties of looking after the monarch's arsenal and valuables. There was no standing army before 1661. The importance of the Royal Armory at the Tower of London was that it provided a professional basis for procuring supplies and equipment in times of war. The two bodies were residents at the Tower for at least the year 1454, and by the 16th century they had moved to a position in the inner ward. The Board of Ordnance, which was the successor to, the offices, to these offices, had its headquarters in the White Tower and used surrounding buildings for storage. In 1855, the board was abolished. Its successor, the Military Store Department of the War Office, was also based there until the year 1869, after which its headquarters staff were relocated to the Royal Arsenal in Woolwich, where the recently closed Woolwich Dockyard was converted into a vast ordnance store. Political tensions between Charles I and Parliament in the second quarter of the 17th century led to an attempt by forces loyal to the king to secure the tower and its valuable contents, including money and munitions. London's trained bands, a militia force, 
were moved into the castle in 1640. Plans for defense were drawn up and gun platforms were built, readying the tower for war. The preparations were never put to the test. In 1642, Charles I attempted to arrest five members of the parliament. When this failed, he fled the city and parliament retaliated by removing Sir John Byron, the lieutenant of the tower. The train bands had switched sides and now supported parliament. Together with the London citizenry, they blockaded the tower. With the permission from the king, Byron relinquished control of the tower. Parliament replaced Byron with a man of their own choosing. That was Sir John Conyers. By the time the English Civil War broke out in November 1642, the Tower of London was already in Parliament's control. The last monarch to uphold the tradition of taking a procession from the Tower of Westminster to be crowned was Charles II in 1660. At the time, the castle's accommodation was in such poor condition that he did not stay there the night before the coronation. Under the Stuart Kings, the tower's buildings were remodeled, mostly under the auspices of the Office of the Ordnance. Just over 4,000 sterling was spent on the 1663 on building the new storehouse, now known as the New Armories in the Inner Ward. In the 17th century, there were plans to enhance the tower's defenses in the style of the Trace Italiane. However, there were never acted upon. Although the facilities for the garrisons were improved with the addition of the first purpose-built quarters for soldiers, known as the Irish Barracks, in 1670, the general accommodations were still in poor condition. When the Hanoverian dynasty ascended the throne, their situation was uncertain, and with a possible Scottish rebellion in mind, the Tower of London was repaired. Gun platforms added under the Stuarts had decayed. The number of guns at the tower was reduced from 118 to 45, and one contemporary commentator noted that the castle would not hold out four and 24 hours against an army prepared for a siege. For the most part of the 18th century, work on the defenses was spasmodic and piecemeal. Although a new gateway in the southern curtain wall permitting access from the wharf to the outer ward was added in the year 1774. The moats surrounding the castle had become silted over the centuries since it was created despite attempts at cleaning it. It was still an integral part of the castle's defenses, so in the year 1830, the constable of the tower, the Duke of Wellington, ordered a large-scale clearance of several feet of silt. However, this did not prevent an outbreak of disease in the garrison in 1841, caused by poor water supply resulting 
in several deaths. To prevent the festering ditch posing further health problems, it was ordered that the moat should be drained and filled with earth. The work began in 1843 and was mostly completed two years later. The construction of the Waterloo Barracks and the Inner Ward began in 1845, when the Duke of Wellington laid the foundation stone. The building could accommodate a thousand men. At the same time, separate quarters for the officers were built to the northeast of the White Tower. The building is now the headquarters of the Royal Regiments of Fulcellers. The popularity of the Chartist movement between 1828 and 1858 led to a desire to refortify the Tower of London in the event of civil unrest. It was the last major program of fortification at the castle. Most of the surviving installations for the use of military, artillery, and firearms dated from this period. During the First World War, 11 men were tried in private and shot by firing squad at the tower for espionage. During the Second World War, the tower was once again used to hold prisoners of war. One such person was Rudolf Hess, Adolf Hitler's deputy, albeit just for four days in 1941. He was the last state prisoner to be held at the castle. The last person to be executed at the tower was German spy Joseph Jacobs, who was shot on August 15, 1941. The executions for espionage during the wars took place in a prefabricated miniature rifle range, which stood in the outer ward and was demolished in 1969. The Second World War also saw the last use of the tower as a fortification. In the event of German invasion, the tower, together with the Royal Mint and nearby warehouses, was to have formed one of the three keeps, or complexes of defended building, which formed the last ditch defenses of the capital of London. Tourism at the Tower of London. The Tower of London has become established as one of the most popular tourist attractions in the country. It has been a tourist attraction since at least the Elizabethan period, when it was one of the most popular sites of London that foreign visitors wrote about. Its most popular attractions were the Royal Menagerie and displays of armor. The crown jewels also garner much interest and have been on public display since 1669. The tower readily gained popularity with tourists through the 19th century despite the opposition of the Duke of Wellington to visitors. Numbers became so high that, by 1851, a purpose-built ticket office was erected. By the end of the century, over 500,000 were visiting the castle every year. Over the 18th and 19th century, the palatial buildings were slowly adapted for other uses and demolished. Only the Wakefield and St. Thomas Towers survived 
the 18th century marked an increasing interest in England's medieval past. One of the effects was the emergence of Gothic revival architecture. In the tower's architecture, this was manifest when the new horse armory was built in 1825 against the south face of the White Tower. It features elements of Gothic revival architecture, such as battlements. Other buildings were remodeled to match the style, and the Waterloo barracks were described as Castelliated Gothic of the 15th century. Between 1845 and 1885, institutions such as the Mint, which had inhabited the castle for centuries, moved to other sites. Many of the post-medieval structures left vacant were demolished. In 1855, the War Office took over responsibility for manufacture and storage of weapons from the Ordnance Office, which gradually phased out of the castle. At the same time, there was greater interest in the history of the Tower of London. Public interest was partially fueled by contemporary writers, of whom the work of William Harrison Ainsworth was particularly influ influential. The Tower of London, a historical romance, he created a vivid image of underground torture chambers and devices for extracting confessions that stuck in the public's imagination. Harrison also played another role in the tower's history, as he suggested that the Beauchamp Tower should be open to the public so they could see the inscriptions of 16th and 17th century prisoners. Working on the su suggestion, the tower was refurbished and led to further program for a comprehensive restoration at the behest of Prince Albert. When the feature did not meet his expectations of medieval architecture, architects would ruthlessly remove it. As a result, several important buildings within the castle were pulled down, and in some cases, post-medieval internal decoration removed. Unbelievably, only one bomb fell on the Tower of London in the First World War. It landed harmlessly in the moat. The Second World War left a greater mark. On September 23, 1940, during the Blitz, High explosive bombs damaged the castle, destroying several buildings and narrowly missing the White Tower. After the war, the damage was repaired and the Tower of London was reopened to the public. In 1974, there was a bomb explosion in the mortar room in the White Tower, leaving one person dead and 35 injured. No one claimed responsibility for the blast, but police investigated suspicions that the IRA was behind it. In the 21st century, tourism is the tower's primary role. The remaining routine military activities under the Royal Logistics Corps have wound down in the latter half of the 20th century, 
and moved out of the castle. However, the tower is still home to ceremonial regimental headquarters of the Royal Regiments of the Fusilers and the museum dedicated to it and its predecessors, the Royal Fusilers. Also, a detachment to the unit providing the Queen's Guard at Buckingham Palace still mounts a guard at the tower and, with the yeoman warders, takes part in the ceremony of the keys each day. On several occasions through the year, gun salutes are fired from the tower by the Honorable Artillery Company. These consist of 62 rounds for royal occasions and 41 rounds on other occasions. Since 1990, the Tower of London has been cared for by an independent charity, the Historic Royal Palaces, which receives no funding from the government or crown. In 1988, the Tower of London was added to the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites. In recognition of its global importance and help to conserve and protect the site. However, recent developments such as the construction of skyscrapers nearby have pushed the towers towards to be added to the United Nations Heritage and Danger list. The remains of the medieval palace have been open to the public since 2006. Visitors can explore the chambers restored to their former glory, once used by past kings and queens. Although the position of the constable of the tower remains the highest position held at the tower, the responsibility of day-to-day -day administration is delegated to the resident governor. At least six ravens are kept at the tower of all time, in accordance with the belief that if they are absent, the kingdom will fall. They are under the care of the yeoman warders. The earliest known reference to a tower raven is a picture from 1883. As well as having ceremonial duties, the yeoman warders provide guided tours around the tower. Just over 2.7 million people visited the Tower of London in 2015. When you visit the Tower of London, the most sought after attraction there is the crown jewels of the United Kingdom. The crown jewels of the United Kingdom are 141 historic ceremonial objects, including the regalia and vestments worn by kings and queens of the country at their coronation, as well as processional and anointing objects and christening fonts. A symbol of 800 years of monarchy, the Sovereign's Coronation Regalia is the only working collection in Europe. Other present-day monarchies have abandoned coronations in favor of inaugurations or enthronement ceremonies and the largest set of regalia in the world. Objects used to invest and crown the monarch variously denote his or her role as head of state, supreme governor of the Church of England, 
and commander-in-chief of the British Armed Forces. Wives of kings are crowned as queen consort with a plainer set of regalia. Since 1831, a new crown has been made specifically for each queen consort. The use of regalia by monarchs in Britain can be traced back to its early history. Most of the present collection as a whole dates from around 350 years ago when King Charles II ascended the throne. The medieval coronation regalia and Tudor state regalia had been either sold or melted down by Oliver Cromwell, a Republican who overthrew the monarchy in 1649 during the English Civil War. Notable among the precious stones which adorn the regalia are Cullian I, the largest clear-cut diamond in the world, and Cullinan II, the second largest, the Kohinoor diamond with a history going back to the 13th century, the Stuart sapphire, St. Edward's sapphire, the Black Prince's ruby, a large spinal worn by King Henry V at the Battle of Agincourt. In addition to their use at coronations, a number of items are used at the annual state opening of Parliament royal christenings, weddings, and a few other state and religious occasions. Many pieces have fallen out of use, like the state trumpets and banquet plate. And some were only designed to be used once, such as the bespoke ring made for Queen Victoria's coronation in 1838, and the imperial crown of India made for King George V to wear as Emperor of India at the Delhi Durbar in 1911. When not in use, the jewels are on public display, display mainly at the Jewel House, the vault at the Tower of London where they are seen by around two and a half million visitors from across the world every year. Although they are part of the royal collection and owned by the king and queen for the duration of his or her reign, the crown jewels do not belong to the monarch personally. While some of the crowns are used by every monarch, others have been made specially for monarchs and queen consorts. For example, St. Edward's crown. The centerpiece of the coronation regalia is named after Edward the Confessor and is placed on the monarch's head at the actual moment of crowning by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Made of gold in 1661, St. Edward's crown has four fleur-de-lis and four cross pâté, with two depressed arches on top. Surmounting the arches is a jeweled monde and cross pâté. Its frame is embellished with 444 precious and semi-precious stones, including amethyst, garnets, peridot, rubies, sapphires, topazes, tourmalines, and zircons. The crown is 12 inches tall and at a weight of five pounds. It has been noted to be extremely heavy. 
After 1689, monarchs chose to be crowned with a lighter, bespoke coronation crown, or their state crown. The tradition of using St. Edward's crown was revived in 1911 for the coronation of Sir Edward's coronation of George V in 1953 Queen Elizabeth II opted to use a stylized image of this crown in coat of arms, badges, logos, and various other insignia throughout the Commonwealth realms to symbolize her royal authority. Next is the imperial state crown. A much lighter crown is worn by the newly crowned monarch when he or she leaves Westminster Abbey at the annual state opening of Parliament. The imperial state crown was made in 1937 for George VI and is a virtual copy of the one made in 1838 for Queen Victoria, which had fallen into poor state of repair. Its empty gold frame can be seen at the Tower of London. The crown was altered in 1953 when it was resized to fit Queen Elizabeth II, and the arches were lowered by one inch to give it a more feminine appearance. It is made of gold, silver, and platinum, and has four cross pâtés and fleur-de-lis, which arches surmounted by Monde and Chris cross pâté. The crown is decorated with 2,868 diamonds, 273 pearls, 17 sapphires, 11 emeralds, and 5 rubies. Among the largest stones are the Black Prince's Ruby, which is a spinel, set in the front cross beneath which is the 317 carat Cullinan II diamond also known as the second star of Africa. At the back of the crown is, is set the 104 carat Stuart Sapphire, and in the top cross is St. Edward's Sapphire, reputedly taken from the ring of Edward the Confessor when his body was reinterred at Westminster Abbey in 1163. Three of the pearls hanging below the Monday are said to have now been owned by Queen Elizabeth. Next are consort crowns. The wives of kings, queen consorts, as they're called, traditionally wore the crown of Mary of Modena, wife of James II, who first wore it at their coronation in 1685. Originally set with 561 hired diamonds and 129 pearls, it is now set with crystals and cultural pearls for display in the jewel house, along with the matching diadem that consorts wore in the procession to the abbey. By the 19th century, the crown was judged to be too theatrical and in poor state of repair. So a new crown was made for Queen Adelaide, wife of William IV, 
to wear in 1831, using gemstones from her own collection of jewelry. Its empty frame is on display in the Martin Tower at the Tower of London. Thus began a tradition of each queen's consort having a crown made specifically for her. In 1902, a European-style crown, flatter and with more arches than traditional British crowns, was made for Queen Alexandria, wife of Edward VII, to wear at their coronation. With some over 3,000 diamonds, it was the first crown to include the 105-carat Kohinoor diamond, which had been presented to the Queen Victoria following the British conquest of the Punjab. The second was Queen Mary's crown, also unusual for, for a British crown, and having eight half arches instead of the traditional four. The crown was made in 1911 for the coronation of Queen Mary and George V. It contains 2,200 diamonds and has contained Colonus III and the Fourth. In 1914, both Cullinan stones and the Kuhn Inor were replaced with crystal replicas, and at the same time, the arches were made detachable, so it could be worn as a circlet or open crown. Mary paid for the Art Deco-inspired crown out of her own pocket, and the Queen had originally hoped it would be used by future Queen consorts. The Queen Mother's crown is a platinum crown made for Queen Elizabeth, wife of George VI, to wear at their coronation in 1937. It's the only crown for a British king or queen to be made entirely of platinum and was modeled on Queen Mary's crown, but has four half arches instead of eight. Its arches are detachable at the cross pate, allowing it to be worn as a circlet the crown is decorated with about 2,800 diamonds, most notably the Kohinoor in the middle of the front cross. It also contains a replica of the 22-carat Lahore diamond given to Queen Victoria by the East India Company in 1851, and a 17-carat diamond given to her by the I, Sultan of the Ottoman Empire in 1856. The crown was laid on top of Elizabeth's coffin during her lying in state at her funeral in the year 2002. The tradition of housing the crown jewels in the Tower of London probably dates from a reign of Henry III from 1216 to 1272. The jewel house was built specifically to house the royal regalia, including jewels, plates, and symbols of royalty such as the crown, scepter, and sword. When money needed to be raised, the treasury could be pawned by the monarch. The treasurer would allow the monarch independence from the aristocracy and consequently was closely guarded. A new position for keeper of the jewels armories and other things was created, which was well rewarded. In 1649, during the English Civil War, 
The contents of the jewel house were disposed of along with other royal properties. Metal items were sent to the mint to be melted down and reused, and the crowns were totally broken and defaced. When the monarchy was restored in 1660, the only surviving items on the coronation regalia were a 12th century spoon and three ceremonial swords. The rest of the crown jewels had to be recreated. In 1669, the jewel house was demolished and the crown jewels moved into Martin Tower where they could have been viewed by the public who would have to pay a fee. This was exploited two years later when Colonel Thomas Blood attempted to steal them. Blood and his accomplices bound and gagged the jewel housekeeper. Although they laid their hands on the imperial state crown, scepter, and orb, they were foiled when the keeper's son turned up unexpectedly and raised the alarm. The Royal Menagerie is worst first referenced during the reign of Henry III. In 1251, the sheriffs were ordered to pay four pence a day towards the upkeep for the king's polar bear, probably a gift from Hakon IV of Norway. The bear attracted a great deal of attention from Londoners when it went fishing in the Thames. In 1254, the sheriffs were ordered to subsidize the construction of an elephant house at the tower. The exact location of the medieval menagerie is still unknown, although the lions were kept in the Barbican known as Lion Tower. The royal collection was swelled by diplomatic gifts, including three leopards from Frederick III, the Holy Roman Emperor. By the 18th century, the menagerie was open to the public. A mission cost three half pence or the supply of cat or dog food to be fed to the lions. In 1828, there were over 280 animals, representing at least 60 species. The last of the animals left in 1835, relocated to Regent's Park, after one of the lions was accused of biting a soldier. The keeper of the Royal Menagerie was entitled to use the Lion Tower as a house for life. Consequently, even though the animals had long since left the building, the Lion Tower was not demolished until the last keeper's death in 1853. No talk about the Tower of London would be complete without ghosts. Anne Boleyn was beheaded in 1536 for treason against Henry VIII. Her ghost supposedly haunts the chapel of St. Peter at Vidmecula, where she is buried, and is said to walk around the White Tower, carrying her head under her arm. Other reported ghosts include Henry VI, Lady Jane Grey, Margaret Pole, and the princess in the tower. On January 1816, a sentry on guard outside the jewel house claimed to have witnessed an apparition of a bear advancing towards him and reportedly died of fright a few days later. In October 1817, 
a tubular glowing apparition was claimed to be seen in the jewel house by the keeper of the crown jewels. He said that the apparition hovered over his shoulder of his wife, leading her to exclaim, Oh God, it has seized me. Other nameless and formless terrors have been reported, more recently, by night staff at the tower. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.